Ah, boo. Learn to have fun. Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. It is the end of the year, so we are going to look at a year. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the Cecil. We couldn't think of anything else to do. <laughs> He's not joking. We were all like, we're just... what's the topic? Well, we haven't done one of the year things in a while, and then Peter was like, you know what? That's a good idea, right, Peter? Yeah, I also... I think I suggested, like, fake products in movies, like fake product movies, and you were, like, too vague. And I called you a bum, and then we did 1991. <laughs> we're going to talk about 1991, but before that, speaking of bums, you can have something to stick up yours if you go to adamandeve.com. Good Use segue. The, hey, you know what? I got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. You will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. All for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. So we haven't done one of these in a while. We left off with 1990. And now, as we all know, really, when it comes to terms of film, a decade doesn't start till a year or two in. Because, you know, like 1990 was still feeling like the tail end of the 80s. 1991 is starting to feel like the 90s here. What movie immediately jumps out to you when I say 1991? Was Terminator 2 91 or 92? 91. 91. And, yep. Definitely Terminator 2 then. That was like the movie of, of that. That was a movie of my childhood, if anything. I can't think of a movie I watched over and over again more when I was like six, five, six years old than that movie. Like, I think... T2 was like the movie of 91, at least for me it was. I was going to say the same thing. Terminator 2, like Terminator 2 was an event. It was a massive deal. You could not turn on the television, go to the store. It was just people were talking about it. They were at, like, it just, it was exciting. It was like, oh my God, this is going to be a revolutionary film. And it was, mm. I mean, for better or worse, was one of the ones that heavily used CG in a way that had not previously been used. Dabbled with in the abyss, like that was where Cameron was kind of getting his, his sea legs, so to speak, with, uh, with this. But then with um, the T-1000 and all that, it would be really hard to do what they did with the T-1000 with practical effects. And I, I'm somebody who adores practical effects, but I think that this was a good mixture of doing practicals as well as CG and still having it uh, meet you know comfortably in the middle just an incredible film. The, the visuals were great. The story was great. The action was great. Like, everything about it. Like, you left the theater wanting to go back in and watch it again. It was I literally, I literally did that. Did you there do that? things you didn't even notice were effects, too. Like, obviously, there's the CG stuff with the T-1000, but there was such a perfect blend of practicals as well. And there's scenes you don't even think about. Like, I didn't realize until I was, I think, maybe like four years ago, that scene when they're operating on the T-800's head when they're taking the chair out and he's like in front of a mirror you have sarah taking it out and he's like guiding her through it i didn't realize until in almost 20 years after seeing the movie that they did that with arnold and Arnold's stunt actor and linda hamilton's stunt actor pretending to be the reflection in the mirror no it, it, actually it was her twin sister yeah yeah i didn't just... notice that until like years and years later it's the scene just looks that good you don't notice you're like how did they do that how did they like literally go into arnold's head and it's because that's the there's a dummy and then there's Arnold sitting on the other side and they're pretending like it's a mirror. Like that is, that's brilliant practical effects work and such a, such a simple effect too. And such a huge movie. They did the twin thing twice in T2. Mm. Where, yeah. They, they uh, did it with the two Sarahs at the end. Well, they did no, no, no. They did it with, and with the with cop. His, with the cop, there was the there was the ch the the, the yep. chubby cop who was also in Gremlins Two. Turns and he looks and he sees himself, and it's the T one thousand, like as his shit. You know, and it was like they used those twins, and then they used the Sarah Connor thing there, but then or they used the Linda Hamilton again when she sees herself. You know, like like in the future, like happy in a dress. That was 
her twin sister because she was all buff now from yeah. you know, working out. So they needed kind of the softer looking Sarah, which was her sister because her sister hadn't been hitting the gym for the past year, you mm. know, getting ready for the movie. But yeah, just yeah. just amazing stuff that they did with that movie. Just you don't uh, even phenomenal. think about that. Like you don't even realize why alternate Sarah or whatever, you know, that's uh, that Linda Hamilton is like the more buffed up version is looking at. You don't even realize that she looks more like T1 Sarah because it's it's her twin sister that hasn't been working out. Like these are things you, you don't even process in your head. You just go like, hey, that looks really good. The thing people don't remember if you weren't in 1991 is just how big this movie was. I'm not joking when I said I saw this movie seven times in the theater. It was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And and I remember being so excited. You know, MTV was still a big thing when the Guns N' Roses music video for You Could Be Mine came out. Remember, there hadn't even been a trailer yet. All of that footage in that music video. There's no internet. There's no YouTube. That was amazing to just see all that footage in a Guns N' Roses video, you know? Mm -hmm. And didn't they Absolutely. do something where Arnold comes out and he scans Guns N' Roses? Isn't it like you waste know, of ammo? Waste, waste of, of ammo. That's yes. what it was. I could. I was like, <laughs> I was like, not worth it. Okay, it was a waste. Stan of, Winston yeah. directed that video too. Oh God, that's so cool. But besides Terminator Two, we'll get into the side sci-fi and horror stuff more in a little bit. But right now, let's look at some of the more mainstream films that 1991 offered us. I, I, I know this is technically a horror movie, but really more of a comedy. We had the first Adams Family movie, which hmm. really, it disappointed me, because I loved the old show. I thought the casting was dead on. The look was dead on. Even a lot of the quips and the, the jokes worked. I hated the plot. The whole plot of, is it Fester? Is it not Fester? Oh, they're trying to swindle them out it was such generic comedy movie plot man this script needed another rewrite adam's family disappointed me but overall i think they got more right than they didn't I never cared for the Adams Family movies. The original show was like very much before my time and uh, I had seen it, you know, in syndication and it was okay. Like I wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe they're going to do a, a bad Adams Family movie. I will give them credit though. I will say the casting was completely on point. Everybody was just so good. They they looked and did the part, but I just, I didn't care. I never really got into to either of them. And I know now they're talking about, you know, remaking it again. I'm just like, all right, it's another movie I I really don't care to see, but you know, like if if that's really what Hollywood wants to do, sure they're going to do it again. So yeah, I I don't really particularly care. I'm not saying that they're bad movies, just saying that they're not movies that I particularly enjoy or care about. I watched like I watched the first one and I started to watch a little bit of the second one when it was on cable and was just like, eh, why am I I'm I I have better things to do right now. I don't remember much about the first one, but I do remember watching Adam's Family Values a lot. Like, I remember more from that one than I remember from the first one. But a Adam's Family was a thing in the 90s, sure. Well, and then I remember Backdraft being so huge and then going and see it and going, just a fireman movie. What's the big Amazing deal? soundtrack, though. That was, like, such a good score. That's all I remember from Backdraft. Some really great fire effects. And I think what really sold it was the cast. Kurt, you had Kurt Russell was in that one. Kurt Russell, he? De Niro, Baldwin, dude, Donald Sutherland. Was in that movie. Oh yeah. God! Yeah, the cast in that was sick, dude. It was it was something else. I mean, they were like you could not really get that cast again together now. Well, but then you also had stuff like Barton Fink from the Coen Brothers. Barton Fink, Barton Fink. You have <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, which you know I I wasn't into the Disney movies at that point, so it's like you know, and my son isn't born yet so i don't have a kid to be showing these movies to so it's like beauty and the beast meh kid or a little daughter to um expose stockholm syndrome to <laughs> yeah that's it is stockholm syndrome the movie i will torture you until you love me <laughs> Yeah. But then there was also another movie that was really kind of changed cinema, and that was cool Boys in the Hood. Oh. Cool oh. as Ice doesn't <laughs> care. That's not a real movie. Yes, it is. Okay, this is the episode where Cecil just compared Cool as Ice to Boys in the Hood. Well, I well, said they, they both have um rappers in them. They they do. There you go. They're that's, both that's... from the 90s. Except right. Boys in the Hood is good. And uh um, cool is... I'm also pretty about? sure Vanilla Ice's character is in a gang, isn't he? Yeah, he's in a gang. Of... a gang. They're both about gangs, street gangs. A gang of traveling rappers. <laughs> 
But I mean, you know? okay, but Boys in the Hood. Look at how many in the hood movies came out after Boys in the Hood. It almost, I mean, I don't want to say created a genre, but codified an entire genre of filmmaking for the next decade. And also I think it made people take notice more of like the inner city struggle kind of stuff. Like Boys in the Hood was a great movie. I oh, still, yeah. still go back and rewatch that one. That was a really, really well-made film. That was, that was the one with, uh, where, where he's like, I suck your dick. It, it was a woman. It was a woman. You, you, you're thinking of, you know, how do I drink juice in the hood or whatever. You're thinking of the parody where it was a guy. No, 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 no. The, no, the, the real one was, was where it was the guy and he shoots him and he steals his cheeseburger and he, no, he's like, that was the no, in the movie, it's a crack mom who says she'll suck his dick for crack money. Yeah. Really? I think the, the yes. one you're thinking of, I think it was from, what was it? I think it was Friday and it was the, I got these cheeseburgers, man. You're thinking of the parody. Parodies. <laughs> no, I don't think. No, this. Yes, one was, you are. All right, hold on. I gotta. I gotta. No, I guarantee you're thinking of the parodies. I just so, watched Boys in the Hood again pretty recently. He's definitely thinking of the parody. But then you also got like, oh, I hated City Slickers, but that was also super huge. No, I, I love City Slickers. I didn't find it remotely funny at all. That was when Billy Crystal was on his A game. Well, and then, like I said, cool as ice. Jack Palance was so awesome in that movie, too. Am I the only one that's ever seen The Dark Backward? No, I've seen that one. Judd Nelson is the worst stand-up comic of all time, and then grows Mm -hmm. an arm out of his back? That's Mm -hmm. the thing, is we did the episode on the, on the, like, Glopola stuff, the Glopola monsters and stuff, and we were talking about that one, and it made me realize that I had seen it, and then after we recorded that episode, I rewatched it, and I've definitely seen it, because I used to always get it confused with brain damage. Like, I can actually see how you could. That's a really good movie, though. I, I think I saw it on like UPN like late at night and it was just like this is so weird why is why does this guy have an arm growing out of his back and why is he such a bad stand up comic <laughs> Okay, hold on one sec. Going back, not the parody. I was mixing up, yeah, cause you had Menace to Society was the, cause, cause I remember the, cause the scene was serious. The scene was not a, it was not a joke. Well, I knew it wasn't Boys in the Hood. You know, yeah, but yeah, so Boys in the Hood, yeah, Menace, well, I mean, but Menace to Society was one of those movies that got green lit in the wake of Boys in the Hood. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, that, Juice, cause Juice was the one that, uh, Forrest Whitaker directed. Uh, I remember like, Juice not being bad either. Yeah, Juice, Juice was alright. Like, Juice uh, was pretty good, yeah. So, uh, and yeah, Dark Backward, I, it's been a very long time, but I remember, I remember enjoying it because of just scratching my head going, huh? <laughs> well, that's kind of what it's, you're supposed to do, which also that made really me... shows off the um, the versatility of like Judd Nelson as an actor too. The the fact that he can so convincingly play such a meek guy, and also yeah. Bill Paxton just being awesome. Oh, he's awesome in that movie. There was another huge hit. You know, some of these movies are just giant. Like I never liked Doc Hollywood. I never understood why this movie got so popular. I mean, yes, it's got Michael J. Fox and and you know Bridget Fonda and Woody Harrelson and all that. I I've seen it my ex wife used to like this movie so i've seen it a bunch of times never thought it was interesting why did doc hollywood hit so huge full frontal nudity in a pg-13 movie repeated remember that repeated full frontal nudity in a pg-13 i I do remember that peter doc hollywood's the one where michael j fox is a big city doctor whose car breaks down in a small town and he's stuck there and then you know he's all i'm better than these people but then he sees you know the 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 trueness of them and becomes their local town doctor oh that sounds like crap no wonder i never watched it that's just not something i would watch as a kid surprisingly it's not a bad movie it's not a bad movie at all. Like, uh, it did become insanely popular, which I kind of agree. I'm like, why is this like so popular? But it's one of those movies that is just good. You sit down, you watch it, and you're like, you know what? That was pretty well made. Like, it's entertaining. It's interesting. I did Everybody, like seeing Julie Warner full frontal naked. I that was okay. Did, I did like seeing Julie Warner, uh, repeatedly fully frontal naked because that was completely unexpected, but which also they kind of play into that because he's like he He's wakes like, up what on the am I beach. looking at <laughs> he wakes up on the beach completely hung over and she's coming out of the water and it's just like huh but it's it is a it is a well done entertaining movie like sometimes mm. you just want a movie that is gonna that is gonna tell you a good story and not 
really, you know, not knock your socks off. And then years later, the first Cars movie would rip it off. I think if I were to visit Doc Hollywood now, I might enjoy it. But I mean, in 1991, I was like five. Oh, yeah, yeah. You That's not know. a movie a five-year-old is going to watch and go, yay, doctor in a small town. No, you want to watch like robots killing each other. Yeah, yeah. I can see a five-year-old not really caring too much about <laughs> it. But then there's also the, again, I don't understand why this movie's a cult movie. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. I, I've all, always found this movie borderline unwatchable. Ah, boo. Learn to have fun. It's, it, it's like, it's ridiculous because the whole, the whole thing with the movie is the babysitter dies within probably the first, say, 15 minutes of the film. Then the kids have to get like real jobs and the whole movie, the one kid cleans up his act. Christina Applegate gets a job at like, uh, an, uh, at a, uh, ad firm and like where Fox Mulder up, is her villain, where Fox Mulder and his, and his sister are the villains. And like it goes, and then at the end, where's the babysitter? It's like, oh, you actually forget that there was even a babysitter to begin with, you know, because the whole movie goes in such a complete opposite direction with all of that. You know, it's like you think it's just going to be like crappy kids the whole movie. But like they it's it is a silly, fun, very, very heavily 90s film. Fashions in it are some of the most 90s of all. They're almost as 90s as watching Cool as Ice and just going, this is a time capsule of 1991. It certainly was, which I say in my video I did for Cool as Ice that will be on the Blu-ray for cool as ice oh yeah sometime in 2019 buy the cool as ice blu-ray with uh with my newly remastered uh completely redone long ass video about how wonderful cool as ice is and then there was another personally i love this movie i actually just watched it again about a year ago i remember seeing the doors in the theater twice and i remember i don't right yeah no remember i don't do drugs but i i there was a lot of high people in the audience and this is a movie (laughs) i can say yes this is a movie you watch while stoned and i'm saying that while watching it sober but the doors it's a pretty psychedelic looking movie yeah and i'm 50-50 on the quality of the film i love the movie it's a brilliant movie but it's not accurate to what actually happened to the doors no. at all Most so of that them, that's right. where i fall with like come on you're just it's making much shit like, up. i mean it, the same the same pattern continues today i mean the, the the freddie mercury movie that just came out takes a lot of liberties with the the history of freddie and with queen and everything it's it's not anything really different the one thing i will say about about the doors in comparison to Bohemian Rhapsody is I think Val Kilmer is a much better pick for Jim Morrison than um what's his face Mr. Robot guy was for Freddie Mercury like I genuinely get completely enveloped into the doors because I forget that that's even Val Kilmer I just see that as Jim Morrison because he's a really really good pick to play Morrison like he has the right like vibe and everything I think that's what makes a movie like the doors work a lot better than a lot of the other sort of music biopics that come out because it's a much much more solid choice of an actor to play um that person and and to really capture the vibe of that person not just that i mean oliver stone's direction in that movie is amazing oh it's gorgeous and i i hate to sound cliche here he became jim morrison like he had really he had the mannerisms the the like way he stood the way he moved he just watched Jim Morrison videos and what and like learn even how. sang the songs in the movie. Yeah, it like sounded he, good too. Yeah, he did a really good job. Like there, I know a lot of people will shit on Val Kilmer. Like one of those things where it kind of sets him apart from a lot of other actors. Mm. Like he really got into the role. Like he didn't just play the part; he was the part. Well, Kilmer was an actor that every time I think about his career, I really hate that his career went south because he deserved to be an A-lister. Like everything he. He did in the 80s and the 90s and the mid 90s his performances were always solid even batman forever he was a really good batman the problem was really that was the script because i mean they had you know the actors i thought were all on point the movie did not stand up to the quality of the people that were in the movie We've got Jean-Claude Van Damme sort of coming into his own with the god-awful Double Impact. No, I like 90s oh. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Double Impact is a bad movie, okay? Shut it up. just is. No, it isn't. You, How do you not like Double Impact? What is, is wrong is with double, you? Is Double Impact the one where he has like a twin? And yes. There's, a, there's like a good twin and sort of a bad twin. One of them yes. has like the slicked back hair and the other one looks more kind of like soft and friendly. Yes. 
Oh, that was hilarious. It's great. And Major Dad is, is the, like, the stepfather and like, <laughs> like, oh, it's so, dude, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you've got the evil, really scene chewing, slicked back hair, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And then you have the happy go lucky, uh, you know, good Jean-Claude Van Damme. And they both come together to kick ass and take <laughs> down. Oh, it, dude, it's so much fun. It's an arcade game. That That's pretty much like watching an arcade game as a film. And yeah. I, I think that's just the novelty of it. And it, it's really fun. Like, it's certainly not one of Van Damme's best, but it's one of his most entertaining. It's probably one of his most, it's probably one of his biggest moneymakers. Because I, I remember, I remember that doing particularly oh, well. Oh, it, it, it did quite well. Unlike... Drop Dead Fred, which we talked about in our Razzies thing, which is not even a good idea on paper. What's what? wrong with Drop Dead Fred? Yeah, I don't it's remember. It's not this. the least bit funny. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It, yeah, it is. You, know, you saying you, Rick you, Mail isn't funny? You guys are probably going to try and defend Ernest Scared Stupid. Yeah, I was going to bring that. That was a great yeah. film. Oh. Yeah, dude, that was like a really, that was like, it was like we had Ernest Saves Christmas, and it's like, oh, what's coming up next? We're going to, you know, I mean, it, they had, uh, you know, Ernest Goes to Jail. It's like, oh, Ernest Scared Stupid, so we got a Halloween Ernest movie. Yes. Was scared Stupid, was that 91? So we had Drop Dead Fred, Ernest Scared Stupid, Boys in the Hood, Terminator 2. 1991 might be the greatest fucking year in film ever. I'm going to shoot you. I remember seeing this movie, but I don't remember a thing about it. We have FX2. I liked the first FX. I just, I don't remember the second one at all, but I want to talk about The Fisher King. This is an amazing movie. Terry Gilliam's Fisher King. First of all, Jeff Bridges was fantastic, but Robin Williams stole this freaking movie from everybody. This was pretty much, that was pretty much the first movie that showed that Robin Williams could be like an amazing dramatic actor, wasn't it? He'd done drama roles before, but yeah, he, well, I don't even want to say it's a drama role because his character is crazy, so it's still manic weirdo Mm. Robin Williams, but it's more in like a drama crazy, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you still get Robin Williams running around Central Park naked, pretending he's a knight. So I don't know if that counts as drama. I guess more kind of crazy and manic, but in more of a, a more of a serious way. Like this is a guy that clearly has like problems. Maybe wasn't played for for laughs as much as his other like manic characters are. I think what happened was people did still have the the vibe of Robin Williams being you know Robin Williams, and uh, the way they marketed it was as more of a comedy. People went and saw it, and they're like, "Wait a minute, this isn't really the party that I want or the movie that I wanted to see," <laughs> and consequently, it uh, didn't do particularly well. Which which is a shame because it deserves. It's gotten a lot more acclaim. Mercedes Rule won an Oscar for it. Yeah, it's people recognized it after the fact, which is 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 good. But you know, for the people that put up the money, they're always like, "Hey, we, we wish you would have found it." You know, in 1991. You know, better better late than never. I and I personally love the line. It's more of a big titty spread cheeky kind of thing. <laughs> Fried green tomatoes. None of us are the audience for this movie, so Never fine. You, you ladies yeah. can have your fried green tomatoes. It's just not our kind of movie. My only point of reference to fried green tomatoes is the Simpsons episode when um, Apu gets uh, the arranged marriage thing, and it's like, I'm going to ask you like one one question, uh, your favorite food, color, or whatever, and uh, we have to say it, at the both time, say it at the same time, and Apu and Manjula both say fried green tomatoes, and I'm like, oh, so that's a movie? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, it is, it is not, yeah, we are, we are absolutely not the audience for that. Then there's the hard way, which I think on paper was a good idea. You know, Michael J. Fox is a, is a, is a action movie actor and he's got a shadow, a real cop of James Woods who's hunting a serial killer. I like that movie a lot. That's I hated um, it. It was one line I laughed at when James Woods is like weaving through traffic. It should be illegal to drive without a goddamn brain! No, I a will, good movie. I like it. The the third act, fun. the you know, with them going, you know, chasing down the the serial killer, I think is r- like makes up for because the the movie isn't really a a comedy. It, it's 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 a drama with comedic elements, and uh, I I haven't seen it in quite a while, but I remember I remember the third act making up for the first two acts being a little bit slow. I admired how mean spirited it was toward Hollywood. Like they were clearly with Michael J. Fox's character 
character and making fun of like Tom Cruise and, and people like that. Just these, these very, very literal little guys with very inflated Hollywood egos and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Michael J. Fox, I like Michael J. Fox a lot and he was perfectly cast because he's this like little dude and he, you know, they had him previously, you know, in the world of the movie, he was the action hero. James Woods is a, is a big dude and just he's like, I'm like a, you know, I'm a cop and you're, you know, an actor who's supposed to be portraying people like me. And it's, you are so far removed from that. And so it was, it was, uh, it was good. It did, uh, like you said, it pointed out a lot of the, the Hollywood nonsense. But then there's also Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Just watched it again a couple of weeks ago with my girlfriend. I still love this movie. I loved it back then. I love it now. Critics disagreed and so did the box office. And I'll never and let's remember forgive that's 1991 Robert Ginty. for that. Robert Ginty in yes. the helicopter. <laughs> God damn it. You never live in that down, Cecil. No, we all make mistakes. It it is a perfectly honest mistake. It's just such a hilarious, esoteric thing to call back on because most people don't even know who Robert Ginty is. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's funny. But Harley Davidson, the Marlboro Man, it's got some script problems, but the chemistry between Don Johnson and Mickey Rourke carries the entire movie. Oh, yeah. I wanted, I like, I would have loved, I mean, I'm glad that we got one movie and it was just a perfect, but I wanted more with them. They were so good. They created just this beautiful chemistry between the two of them. You had no question that these two have been lifelong friends, mm. you know, that they, even if they were apart for a while, came back together just got jumped right back into it. Cast was great. I did enjoy the story. I thought it was fun. It was interesting. Tom Sizemore was just great as the villain. You had Tia Carrera in a little tiny role. Daniel Baldwin is one of the is one of the android almost guys. Yeah, the, the <laughs> cyborg bad guys with the Kevlar uh you know trench coats. You had Big John Stud. You had Mickey Rourke throwing Big John Stud out a window. You know? uh, no, th- no, it was the other way around. Big John Stud threw Mickey. Mickey Rourke out the window, right? But I'm saying, but he still picked him up at one point. But yeah, but then he threw him out the window, and you know, because he was he was sexing his uh, his little sister, uh, Vanessa, his wife. His wife! Big, Big John Studd's wife. Vanessa Williams was Big John Studd's Vanessa wife Williams in the movie. Vanessa Williams was Big John Studd's wife. That's right. I was thinking, yeah, it's it's been a while since I've seen it. I think the last time I saw it was when I did the video on it. Uh, and then you got Don Johnson sexing up Chelsea Field as a motorcycle cop. I love He's going to take my girl. I'm going to take his bike. <laughs> <laughs> It's so freaking good. It's, it's insanely quotable. It's, uh, it looks beautiful. It's just a really, it's a highly entertaining film that, uh, I'm sure there were plenty of films that came out that critics were falling over their own dicks to, to, you know, talk, pr- you know, praise on, but people are still talking about Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. So you it's, squeeze, you don't pull. It's not your dick, Harley. <laughs> <laughs> The, the only thing I, I, that pisses me off about Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man is Mickey Rourke still kind of looks down on the movie. I didn't want to do it. I was in a dark time. It's like, well, you still did a great job and you made a great movie, so shut He's up. He's been in a dark time in his life since then and still is. Yeah. When are you going to get out of life your dark, dark time, time there? Maybe? I just didn't like Hook. Okay? It's not my kind of movie. If you liked Hook, fine. Not my kind of movie. Rufio! Goddamn Rufio. Where the hell did Rufio even come from? I, I'm with you, man. I, um, I never really gave a crap about Peter Pan, and so consequently, like, I never liked Hook. I think that, you know, I like Robert Williams a lot. I think Dustin Hoffman, he looked like Captain Hook. I, I don't care. Like, I don't, I, I didn't like the movie. And now, like, uh, with my, my son was, was watching Pirates of the Whatever on Disney Channel, and even he, is kind of like, eh, so I'm like, oh, good. My, my, my not caring about Captain Hook and all that is passing on to another generation. <laughs> <laughs> There's also Hudson Hawk, which we talked about in depth in previous episodes. So I'm just going to say, screw the critics. I loved Hudson Hawk. Awesome movie. Absolutely awesome film. Yeah. Even, even screw Bruce Willis because Bruce Willis hates it. Again, kind of like the Mickey Rourke thing. It's like, yeah. look, you know, you, you made something that, uh, is, is, uh, is great. You know, just, just deal with it. Better than what he's making now. Well, and then there's probably the most controversial mainstream movie that year, JFK, which I think <laughs> is a, just an amazing film. It doesn't matter whether you believe in the conspiracy or you believe in the plot. Just look at it as a fictional movie. 
I think JFK is just an amazing conspiracy film. First mm. of all, you talked about a cast. You will never in the history of film get an, um, an, as an amazing cast as Oliver Stone did for JFK in that movie. You name every A-lister in Hollywood. They had a cameo in freaking JFK. <laughs> I adore this movie. I love it. it. Like I said, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. JFK is a fantastic film. JFK is also an Oliver Stone flick too, right? Oliver Stone, yep. Yeah, that's two. Two Oliver Stone flicks in one year. To me, it's probably peak for him. Like, it's easily one of the best things he's ever made. Last Boy Scout? We don't even need to talk about how amazing Last Boy Scout is. Bruce Willis' best film. I was just about to say it might be Bruce Willis' best movie. It might just be. I'd say it is. I'd say it really is. It's the, it's the diehard four that we deserve to get. Yeah. It might just be Shane Black's best script too. It might just be Shane Black's best script too. I think it is. I really think it is. Dude, I love the Last Boy Scout. Like everything about it, the way it's shot, the way it's written, like it's, it's just slick, great. The chemistry between Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans is, uh, is so perfect. Like it's really good because they both very flawed characters. Mm. And, uh, so that's kind of the, the beauty of it is it's like, you know, when Bruce Willis catches Damon Wayans like doing drugs in the bathroom, he just beats the crap out of him. Just a tremendous film. Yeah. I love it. The action is Danielle great. Harris is awesome in it too. Like one of her, that's pretty much what she did right after Halloween four. We're back to Chelsea Field too as a cheating wife. Mm. Yeah. Chelsea Field's a cheating wife again. 1991 was the year of Chelsea Field cheating on her husband, wasn't it? Oh, man. Certainly what, well, she she was, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh, because she was in Harley Davidson. She was cheating on her husband there too. And he did the, right, was it? Uh, I tripped and my dick fell on your wife. Just to say, this ain't my week. <laughs> <laughs> I think I f***ed a squirrel to death. <laughs> but then there was also, I love Mel Brooks. This was the first true piece of crap. I think Mel Brooks made was Life Stinks. This Mm. movie was so shockingly unfunny. It was the Holmes and Watson of 1991. A movie that is almost, almost so not funny, it, it legally can't be called comedy. I've never actually seen it. Never seen it? Don't. You're better off. Never even heard of it. Yeah, there's a reason. Because it was so bad, this was the Mel Brooks movie everyone wants to forget Mel Brooks made until Dracula Dead and Loving It. Well, we, we all get a, we all get a mulligan. Yeah, doesn't he, he plays like a homeless guy or something? He's a rich guy who's gotta be homeless for like a month or something and, and non-hilarity ensues. Well, it's, uh, it's a better mulligan than the rest of Mickey Rourke's career. Mannequin 2 on the move. Let's just move on to McBain then. What's wrong with you, Mannequin? How, you don't get to skip Mannequin 2 on the move. Christy Swanson and, and uh, William Ragsdale. Movie's great. They you're, brought you're back You're making Hollywood. my case for me. Learn to have fun. And the, and the, I, and I, the big and the big muscle-bound dudes that are basically Hans and Franz chasing them throughout the whole movie. Dude, the movie, like, it, it's not as memorable because it was, you know, the first one really kind of, I, I don't know, the first one just kind of hit at, like, the right time with, like, Kim Cattrall. But it just, it worked. And I think the second one does not get the credit that it really deserves. I think it's fun. I think it's silly. I think they managed to figure out a way to do essentially the same story different. I mean, they didn't have, you know, Switcher. They had the, the, the muscle bound dudes that are trying to get the, the mannequin back with the necklace. And it's, it's fun. It's, it's entertaining. It's silly. It's not meant to be high art. It's meant to be a, a mannequin woman is cursed and becomes a mannequin in a store and a dude falls in love with her. We got McBain, the Christopher Walken, Michael Ironside, James Glickenhouse movie, where Christopher Walken shoots down another plane flying next to him at high speeds with a handgun. I mean, it's McBain! And is he thinking of holding another meeting in bed? <laughs> we got Meet the Applegates, the bug people comedy oh, movie. Oh, the giant roaches. Oh. I like that movie. Gee, that movie is great. There's My Girl, where Macaulay Culkin dies from a bee sting. Oh, God, that yeah, movie messed one. with me. Yeah, that, that, that's when you, you think you're taking your kid to see a Macaulay Culkin, you know, happy family movie, and then next thing you know, you're talking to your child about death. Next thing he you know, was... your kid has a horrible fear of bees. Then there's the disaster that was Mystery Date. Oh, what, what the f*** is wrong with you? Mystery Date is gr- Oh, my God. I think this might be the year I'm disagreeing with you the most. <laughs> well, I, I don't think you'll disagree that Naked Lunch is an amazing movie that should have never existed, but I'm glad does. See on that. Naked Lunch yeah. is is, uh, is something else. It's really... You have to go in 
just go in with no expectations and just have have your freaking brain blown out. Now, it's a movie. I can understand people not liking it because there's a lot of people that don't like it. Dude, it's David Cronenberg adapting, and for lack of a better term, William S. Burroughs. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's not, not going to be for everybody. And not doing it particularly, I don't want to say not doing it well, but I mean, it's not really a, a great adaptation. Well, the, but, the, the novel's unadaptable. There's literally no way you can just adapt to the novel straight. Yeah, but you I mean, you got, you got Peter Weller, you got people like ingest, uh, uh, shooting up bug juice to like get all, uh, mugwump jism. Bug, well, yeah. <laughs> bonkers can you rub a little around my lips it's yeah it's it's so it's so far out there how about necessary roughness the scott bacula football movie where kathy ireland is the kicker because there's nothing in the rule book says it can't be a woman never saw that one it's okay i enjoyed it honestly it's it's silly it's kind of you know what it reminds me of wildcats the uh the i can see that you know, but in college instead of high school, but yeah. In college instead mm. of high school, yeah, you know, it's, it's fun. How about New Jack City? A movie I generally like, except if you think about it for half a second, you're like, yeah, this is, might be one of the most unrealistic into hood movies ever made. It's awesome though. Dude, and the cast, come on. Freaking everybody's in that. It's so, yeah, New Jack City is phenomenal. Sit your $5 ass down before I make change. Yes. Yes. Dude, and Wesley Snipes, is so good. Like Wesley every, actually, Snipes, uh, Peebles, uh, Judd Nelson too. Ice T. Just a stellar cast. And, and oh, what's, uh, Chris Rock is the, yeah. uh, he's the crackhead. The junkie. He's the junkie. <laughs> oh, fuck, they go kill me. It was almost like, it was an into hood movie, but it was like, almost like a comic book version of it. Yeah. yeah. It had a very pulp kind of feel to it. Yeah, it really did. And then because we just talked about the Razzies a few weeks ago, we're just going to skip over nothing but trouble because Cecil and I have already fought about this. Peter's already put his two cents in, but nothing but trouble came out this year. Steven Seagal is coming into his own in Out for Justice this oh, year. Probably his best movie. That's yeah. such a good action movie. I'm, I'm no, I'm torn between Mark for Death and Out for Justice. Like I, I, I gotta go Mark for Death for Seagal's best movie. Out for Justice is a great film. I'm not, I'm not crapping on it. I'm just saying it's not his best film. Out for um, Justice had the best villain though, like William um, Forsythe. William Forsythe is, oh god, I think he steals oh. the whole movie because he's just amazing at playing like a totally unhinged psychopath. I just love that Seagal calls everybody a tough guy. Yeah, is it? Totally, he's like, look at this guy. This guy, he thinks he's a tough guy. How about you? You think you're a tough guy? Hey, tough guy. Like everybody's a tough. guy. Guy. Tough guy. See Richie? Any <laughs> tough guys? Call me. See Richie. I see Bobby Lupo. I think Out for Justice might be his biggest, like, no-sell movie. Like, he never gets hurt in that film. I think he just, so. I he think walks he into a room and he murders everybody. everybody without a scratch on him. <laughs> Not even, like, messing up his suit. No. Like, doesn't mess up his, his ponytail. Nothing. <laughs> uh, I want to watch that right now. Well, it, it, instead we could talk about Point Break, the uh, movie that the... has no right to be as good as it is. Oh, I love Break. Point awesome. Break. But, okay, if you say the plot of Point Break out loud, <laughs> it has no right to be this good my favorite line in that whole movie is when gary Busey's going around doing the investigation on the beach and walks up to a couple i think he takes like a piece of some chick's hair and he's like i'm making a wig for my girlfriend <laughs> what <laughs> i, I guarantee you that was an ad lib that was Busey, yeah yeah, it's well because because James Cameron James Cameron wrote the movie and that's that's not James Cameron's writing style. No. Yeah, Point Break, dude. The action in Point Break is just is so freaking good, and everybody. Do you think I like this hair? Yeah, Tom Sizemore. Yeah, Tom Sizemore, and like I mean, uh, Patrick Swayze as Bodie is such a good. He's the bad guy, but like you really you you kind of fall in with Keanu, where you're like, yeah, he's yeah, so really like charismatic this in this movie. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's really good. And, uh, you know, Lori Petty as like the love interest, but like, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great, great film. And then they remade it into one of the most boring action films ever. God, they even did that. Yeah. Dude, the remake, forgettable. the remake is almost worth watching to just see how to not do a remake. <laughs> no, That's cause Point Break, like what really made that movie work in, like in the, the top of everything, what made it all come together was the chemistry between Swayze and Keanu. Like they really bonded over that film and you can, you can really sense like a genuine uh, friendship and a conflict there between those two characters. Like that's really what makes the movie, movie work and everything else is just, just icing Peter, on top of the, Peter, the, the action. That, that's sequences. because, that's because he is an FBI agent. <laughs> Shot my first you know, tube today. 
sir. <laughs> you know what? People make fun of Keanu Reeves, and I think part of it is his, he has some, I, I love Keanu. Oh, he's great. God, does he have some terrible line deliveries in this movie. FBI! Oh, it's so true. Favorite movies to just, like, revisit. I feel like it's a movie you can watch again and again, which, honestly, that's that's almost every movie on this list. Like, 1991 does not have a lot of duds in it. Yeah. I mean, there's it's just so so many movies where any of these, you could just pick one out and be like, all right, I'm just going to watch this tonight. Yeah. Well, and then, okay, it's been a long time. Is Prince of Tides the one where George Carlin was the gay neighbor? I don't know. No. I don't think I've seen that. I don't think because I've seen it's, it's just like if if it is that's one of those ones that like Robin Williams and Fisher King you go holy crap this guy's actually got range <laughs> but then we got you know Return of the Blue Lagoon we did that on our Razzie episode we got Ricochet which we talked about before which I didn't like I know Cecil does I can't oh, remember where Peter great. falls Robin Hood Prince of Thieves this movie is a disastrous train wreck and was one of the biggest oh. box office killers of the year Kevin Costner one right yeah yes dude it's a beautiful movie it looks it's great. almost it's one of the dumbest scripts i've ever seen made into a mainstream movie it's a robin hood movie what do you it's want yeah it's like you know they're like ah uh, it, it's it, you got the, the the whole the whole way it's put together with the, they managed to bring in morgan freeman uh and had it made sense I've had lots of people say whoever wrote this, you know, the screenwriter has never actually met a Muslim person before with Morgan Freeman's character. Well, to be to be fair too, this was 1991's perception. This is 1991 Hollywood's perception of a Muslim from Robin Hood time, from the Crusades era, you know. Mm. So you know, eh. So they didn't they didn't bring in a historian for it. It wasn't really a a Muslim is not a race; it's a religion. Yeah. could just be Morgan Freeman. Yeah, it was, it was, re- I mean, it was good. Uh, was it Mary Stewart, Master Antonio was really good. Uh, you had Alan um, Rickman. Alan Rickman was great as the villain. It's, uh, it's a beautiful movie. It's got a real, like, I like the freaking Brian Adams song to go along with it. Mm, uh, of course you do. You know, well, yeah, what do you want out of me? I like Brian Adams. It's, uh, it's a good movie. I think it's one of my wife's favorite movies. She loved Kevin Costner from, you know, she was really sad to find out that he had a huge humongous ego which is uh, which is tempered down a lot over the years like he's basically been brought back down to humanity but yeah, around a, the, a ton of box office disasters in a row will do that yeah, a ton yeah. of box office will, will definitely well i mean i don't know there are some like uh, steven seagal's ego is still somewhere in the stratosphere and he hasn't had a hit since 1992 so well, i think steven seagal might be an actual clinical psychopath which would apply <laughs> that could <laughs> very well be but that yeah, doesn't then, really temper your ego it certainly doesn't yeah then we also have the great team-up movie of dolph Lund- Grin and Brandon Lee in oh. Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yes. Oh. yes. Which which has a, a a great line in it, but it's kind of weird. You have the biggest dick I've ever seen on a oh, man. Oh, God. You gotta, the you fact gotta the full the, context. It's, the, it's, uh, but the, the fact like, that he added on a man makes you go, wait, what? I think it's uh, the full context is like, Kenner, in case we get killed, just wanted to tell you, you have the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. And Dolph Lundgren <laughs> just genuinely looks like uh, flattered. It's like, thanks. Thank, thank you for that. I, it's awesome. I did, but it's, you gotta love the biggest dick you've ever seen on a man. Like, it's on a man. So, I guess, I guess they want to say, you know, cause he's seen bigger dicks on like horses. Oh yeah, you know? I guess. Or but, maybe on, on, on but, uh, Well, I, if it were in 2018, it could just be the dating scene. But I mean, you're coming, it's coming directed from Mark L. Lester, who did Commando. So you know the action is on point. Mm. Uh, well, Brandon again, Lee can actually do the action. You know, yeah, you got two people that act, can do the action. You got Shang Tsung as, as the friggin' villain. I'll it's, probably butcher his name, Hiroyuki Tugawa? Yeah, I was, that's why I that's close. Shang Tsung, because I'm like, I know I'm going to just murder his name. Oh, but he's just a savage in that movie. Like, the the bit when he catches um one of his girls or whatever that's been, like, either stealing drugs for him or exposing information. He brings her into his office. Yeah, she thinks she's about to get uh, banged, but then he just ch- mercilessly chops her head off. Doesn't he decapitate her while he's having sex with her? Yeah. yeah. He's, like, slowly pulling the pulling the sword out that just lops her fucking head off. Like, he is easily one of the, the best, like, villains for a, a film like that. Like, he was just a merciless savage and played yeah, it and well. Played it really, really played well. Played it really, really well. Speaking of merciless savages, there was also Silence of the Lambs, which, while I don't think is the best Hannibal Lecter movie, is a fantastic film. It's the one that definitely put Hannibal Lecter, like, into the forefront. Like, I mean, I'm always going to be pro-Manhunter, but 
I think Silence yeah. of the Lambs made a lot more people take notice of the book and of the character. It's it's what it's what made it an an icon, made the character iconic. Whether it's my favorite entry in those films or not, it it definitely deserves its place in time. It also is the probably the first Oscar winning film that has Roger Corman in an acting role. <laughs> I think my thing with with uh, Silence of the Lambs, a brilliant movie. I, I think it is just incredible. Deserves all the credit it gets. Yeah. I, again, I do think Manhunter is the better Hannibal Lecter movie, but uh, Silence of the Lambs is just is so good. Anthony Hopkins always gets all this credit. Jodie Foster, I think, does not get nearly the credit she deserves. Mm. She is awesome in that movie. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Ted Levine. Oh God. He steals is, the film in my he, opinion. He I think also, he's the best part of it. Is she a great big fat person? Are <laughs> you, know, like, uh, you about a size 14? He's such a tremendous villain. He gives you the creeps. But then 1991 was also Sleeping with the Enemy. Boring. <laughs> we got uh, Stone Cold. Oh, yeah. Movie where Brian, this was supposed to be the Brian Bosworth vehicle. Does anyone remember anything that's not Lance Henriksen in this movie, though? Both. I remember both Come of them. On. Yeah, both I his mullet. Uh, you got uh, William Forsyth again. You know, uh, just, badass yeah. Biker. A badass biker. Uh, Arabella Halsbog as the, uh, as, as the, the sort of love interest. Uh, I was, I was actually shocked when she got shot. I didn't think they'd actually do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kept waiting for them to bring her back. I'm like, oh, she wasn't really dead. No, she did. <laughs> they, they killed these, he's like, I'm gonna, uh, what do you say? I'm gonna do something that I'm gonna break your heart. What? Boom! Just shoots her right in the head. Oh my god! And then to think Lance Henriksen ad-libbed his whole character in that movie. That, was, that line he says when uh, they're in the court, the uh, it reminds me of my father's last words, which were, don't son, that gun is loaded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he made that up. That's so cool. He jumps out of a helicopter, down about 20 feet, through a plate glass window, lands on a guy driving a motorcycle through uh, the, the Capitol building, I think. It just defies the laws of physics it def- everything is unrealistic awesome it is it is a of- downright shame that we did not get more movies from craig r baxley because everything he did was gold yeah i agree I agree. Action Jackson, oh, um, the I Dolph Lundgren, I come thing, in peace. One. I come in peace. I come in peace. Yes. Well, also Dark Angel, but I come in yeah. peace. The much better name. It is, yeah. And that's what it was released in in America. You've also got like Thelma and Louise. I love Ridley Scott. This was probably the first main, you know, the first Ridley Scott movie post Alien, where I was just like, I just don't care. It's <laughs> it's very well directed. Couldn't get into this movie. It's a relevant film. Like, I, I didn't say it wasn't relevant. I just couldn't get into this one. It was a big I, deal at the time. It was like, you know, the two ladies doing all the stuff that, like, you know, ladies really shouldn't do, so to speak. And it the was the movie that made Brad Pitt a star. Movie that made Brad Pitt a star. And I will it say, like it does have a very, very, very memorable, I dare I say, iconic ending. I think yeah. it's a cool movie. It's like, it's pretty much like a modern 70s road movie. It has yeah. a, it has an interesting grit to it. And I've, I've always enjoyed Gina Davis too. So that's a plus. I think it's, it's a very relevant movie for its time and it's, it deserves its sort of iconic place in history for, for being very different. Like, and I, I really like it for that. It doesn't necessarily feel like a Ridley Scott film, but I mean, he wasn't making an alien movie. He was making like a road movie with, um, these two women that have just had enough of, of being being like used and neglected and they they go on uh just a, a a road road spree and just have fun and do crazy shit and it's it's a fun movie you know what else is a fun movie the film critic in me says this movie's crap but i love toy soldiers it is such oh. a stupid film I, I there's something about it it's so dumb that you can't not love toy soldiers is Andrew Devoff not amazing in this like he is in everything? Oh, God, he's always brilliant. He steals the show. He's so good. And he has one of the most graphic deaths in that, like, you're, like, because the, the movie. In a PG-13 movie. The movie is kind of, the movie's kind of lighthearted, but still they kill, serious. They kill Will, they kill Will Crusher, though. They kill Will <laughs> Wheaton. They, they, sh- they just n- destroy Will Wheaton, because he comes out with his machine gun, he's going, ah, and he's brrr, gets killed. And then Andrew Devos gets shot in the head, falls over, and like the bullet, like you see the bullet wound, and like the blood is, it's so graphic. It's like, oh, oh, really really good it's uh it's i think it's like clever 
in the way that they did it where like he where um uh uh Rudy is is running back and forth between like the military and like the school and he slips and falls in the uh in the drainage ditch and he's all wet and he tries to and he passes it off like he just came out of the shower which is why he wasn't around for a roll call mm. and uh you know it's like it's so like it's it's a very fun, entertaining, very cool movie. But it's uh, not a well written script, is my point. Ah, uh, it's you know well written Schmitten. Sometimes you can you can overlook things when it's just entertainment value. I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting high art. I was expecting pu- uh, private school uh, delinqu- delinquents that had to outsmart terrorists. It was Die well, Hard in a in a private school. This is a quote documentary, but it was a big deal in '91. Madonna's Truth or Dare. I remember watching this and just being like, as if I needed more reason to not like Madonna. Yeah, I I don't care. I had a girl. I was uh, I knew a girl at the time who uh, had the 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 book, and I remember like looking through it, and I'm like, the f- is this? Like, <laughs> that's pretty much the way to sum it up. I remember a friend of mine was a huge Madonna fan. He had the book, and it was like, you're an idiot. See the movie until years later, but uh, I remember like the the book and just being like, all right, it had like the the like was it aluminum cover, and I was just like, this is just an ego gone unchecked. Remember the the Kathleen Turner disaster that was supposed to be the kickoff to a franchise, V.I. Warshawski? I haven't seen it in a very long time, but I remember enjoying it. I don't really remember. And wasn't there like a kid or something in it? It's, yeah, it's been she, a while. She, she hires, she hires V.R. Wachowski to find out who killed her dad. The movie was just a train wreck. Which movie Critics was this? Critics savaged it. It didn't make any money. It's based on a series of novels. It was supposed to kick off a franchise that never went anywhere. Well, she was coming off of the, um, uh, Romancing the Stone movies. And she this kinda, was supposed to be her big vehicle, and wow, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, like she, they were expecting her to kind of be like another big star, and because uh, I think they had a couple of movies where they were pushing her, and she just never really caught on by herself. Well, and then we'll end on what about Bob? What about him? I saw this in the theater. And I just went, God, this was not good. This would have worked as a Saturday Night Live sketch, as an eight-minute Saturday Night Live sketch. It does not work as a 90-minute movie. Murray's great. Richard Dreyfuss is great. Julie Haggerty is great. The movie is not great. Uh, well, I like I, this one. I had to start like, it up to be reminded of it. This was funny. Yeah, it's, it was all right. it's funny. Bill Murray was on point. Like, the whole, you know, I, I remember thoroughly enjoying it. It's a good comment. Well, I guarantee you, when you watch it, I guarantee you Bill Murray's ad-libbing his entire role. Probably. Probably, yeah. He kind of has a... I wonder, there are certain actors you found out later that, like, they couldn't read. Chris Tucker doesn't know how to read. Uh, Christopher Walken can barely read. He can barely... barely. uh, Terrible eyesight. So he just... Donald Donald Trump, the Saturday Night Live cast says, was so illiterate he couldn't read the script on his episode. (laughs) I, with with Bill Murray, like I've just there's so many times where it just yeah he just go kind of goes off script and you kind of wonder is it's like did he even read the script or is he just like all right I'll do this movie all right I'm gonna I'm gonna be Bill Murray you know and I love Bill Murray I can't think of any time when I saw him in a movie where I didn't like him Th- this went on way longer than I thought we didn't even get into the horror sci-fi so I'm breaking this one up this will be the first one of these where we'll come back next week and talk about the horror sci-fi movies because oh my God, there are so many twos in 1991. (laughs) You guys wouldn't believe how many part two movies the home video market had this year. My God, that's got to be discussed. So on that note, where can people find Cecil remembering 1991 probably more fondly than he thought he would at the beginning of this episode? Yeah, uh, I'm now realizing just how much goodness came out of uh, 91. Now, although it now has invigorated me to add more movies that I need to bump up on the list of movies I need to do. Dark Backward would be a good uh, good Bad Flicks review, I could see. I would love to see a a good Bad Flicks on Dark Backward. That's very fitting for Cecil's show, I would say. Backward. I gotta see who directed that I, I, adam rifkin i think john nelson bill Paxton, adam rifkin yeah nice but where can people find you you can pe- you can find me at uh goodbadflicks.com as well as goodbadflicks on youtube twitch twitter facebook 121beyond.com where can people find peter going 1991 was the best year ever i think it was 
I honestly think it might be the best year for for films overall, at least that we've done on this episode so far. Because there's so no, many. No, no, no. That... Because I, I, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna go with 1982. That that is that had more great stuff than any other year. 1982. 82. But did 91's have some great not films. bad. That was a great year for film. But 91, I don't know. That's that's like a lot of my a lot of my favorites. A lot of movies that I go back and, and rewatch. To me, that's just the year of. Bruce Willis's best film, Last Boy Scout, the most iconic film in, in history, at least for me, Terminator 2. So yeah, you'll, you'll probably be seeing a lot of 91 gushing coming from me over on Twitter at Cinematica, over on uh, Facebook, The Cinemasticus, YouTube, The Cinemasticus, and 1201beyond.com, where you can find other fine products and other great shows, and also at my Patreon at Cinematica. And we have a Patreon for 1201. Just go look it up, 1201beyond. You can also contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com, and go to the website 1201beyond.com we'll be back next week with 1991 part two the genre year i guess (laughs) guys try to be a cut above keep one foot in the gutter one fist in the gold have a good night
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.